Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. Welcome to the Discerning Gamer Podcast. Your premium destination for all things gaming culture. We have the latest in gaming news, reviews of the hottest new games, discussion and analysis of the games of yesteryear. When you're short on time and need your gaming fix, look no further than the crew who know their master chief from their master sword. I love Halo. Your hosts, Joel, Simon, Casey, and Ferg. So toss a coin to your Witcher and answer that call of duty. It's time to level up. This is the Discerning Gamer Podcast. It certainly is. And welcome back to the Discerning Gamer for another week. I am Joel JB Fury, and it is just a bloody treat to have you all along for this ride. It's been a big week. Um, There's been... uh, Gaming news uh, spurting out left, right, and centre. Uh, it's covered me, and it's also covered the rest of the DG crew. Uh, and in no particular order, they are the PC gamer, the Sultan of Steam. He was hoping to pick up a dildo bat, dubstep gun, and head down to his local car repair shop, Rim Jobs, for the full treatment. But he may have to settle for playing Saints Row instead. It's Fergus Fergamon Hamilton. Welcome oh, to the show, Fergus. JB, how are you, mate? Oh, I'm, uh, I'm real good, mate. I'm real good. We're, uh, I'm, I'm bloody happy to be here because we've got a lot to, uh, lot to throw out. Uh, also with us, we have the gaming chef, the Earl of Emotional Damage, He's got news about an announcement that will probably happen about a reveal that may go ahead about a presentation (laughs) which isn't set in stone about some Nintendo games which may or may not be in development. It's Simon Steely (laughs) McLaughlin. Welcome to the show, Steely. Oh, thanks, JB. I'm elusive. I'm about as uh, about as much of a mystery as that bloke that keeps turning up in people's bushes at night, taking photos of them. I just, you know, am I there? Am I not? Is it real? Is it not? Is it, you know, uh, you never know with me. That's the that's the glory of it. Anyway, well, we'll assume that was a reference to uh, Todd Snap from uh, Pokemon Snap uh, last week. Yeah, or as he called him last week, Tony Slap Snap. Yeah, yeah, Tony. Yeah, that's that's right. That was great. Yeah, cool. All right. Yeah, also, <laughs> also with us, we. Uh, well, hang, hang on. Before before we just push on, we we can't just leave that there. Uh, uh, Simo, if uh, if Tony Snap was a real character, what would he sound like? Do you think? Hey, take the picture, all right? Come on, like that. <laughs> Come on, take the picture. What are you doing? I'm walking here. Right, come on, we got a couple of minutes here. I'm walking here. Yeah, all right, cool. <laughs> also with us, we Pretty have uh, the Nintendo Queen happily painting everyone and everything with an oversized paint roller. It's Casey C. Mac McLaughlin. And how is Splatoon 3 going, C. Mac? Really good. Yeah, I'm. the people I'm playing against are actually becoming a bit better. So, Are they I'm pulling their weight or are you still... That. Yeah, Leading teams oh, I don't victory. know if I'm just becoming more rubbish or if <laughs> everyone else around me is rising up to the challenge. But no, it's it's fun. It's good. It's good. And I haven't had as many communication errors up lately. So maybe mm, Nintendo is doing something something, something sneaky. Well. Probably not. About bloody time. Uh, all right. So uh, <laughs> look, straight off the bat, um, this week, um, Sony held a state of play on the 13th of September. 
And I've gone through uh, their little presentation and uh, I've picked out a few highlights uh, that I wanted to uh, to talk about. So right off the bat, we had footage of Tekken 8, which according to director Katsuhiro Harada, uh, the footage was taken from the work in progress story mode and was played on PlayStation 5. So, in other words, all the character models, backgrounds, and effects are the same ones that are used in-game. Visual highlights include the newly created playable character models, little details like how water droplets run down the character's skin, and dynamic weather like tornadoes and waves. So, uh, what what did we all think of uh, Tekken 8? How's that looking? It's looking good. I'll be honest, I'm not the biggest uh, side-scroller fighter guy but it looks great so i know you're a big fan of those types of games jb so yeah well i, I mean uh, i must be honest i haven't played a tekken for a while but uh, uh look mortal combat and those bloody types good. yeah yeah, yeah, I yeah. Mean, you know the, the old uh, beat em ups what what did you guys think i think it, it does look really good but you know i'm i'm kind of with uh ferg in a weird way i mean i'm not a big side scroller fighter person unless it's like in Mortal Kombat or even Street Fighter, I'm really pumped for Street Fighter. But that's two games. That's it. Yeah, but there's a lot of them. I, you got to admit, there's a lot of them. But uh, Tekken is one that I haven't. I'm with you, JB. I haven't played one in a long time. I haven't played it since PlayStation Number One. So yeah. uh, that's the first PlayStation for anyone playing at home. Uh, <laughs> um, it's so, certainly bloody I is. Admit, <laughs> they named it right. Yeah, unlike Xbox. Ah, fuck. Uh, anyway, but it does oh. look pretty good. Yeah, looks good. I will send you to Jesus. All right. Uh, also, uh, we then we then jumped across to uh, some PSVR two games in development. With the first game shown, Star Wars: Tales from the Galaxy's Edge Enhanced Edition has been announced, and it's coming to PSVR two in twenty twenty three. So uh, the upcoming game for Sony's new VR headset is a remake of 2020's Star Wars Tales from the Galaxy's Edge, which brought an immersive experience set in the Star Wars universe to fans. Uh, Star Wars Tales from Galaxy's Edge doesn't feature an epic clash of Sith versus Jedi, but instead gives players the experience of being a droid repair technician who is swept up into an adventure. So, from a statement provided by Star Wars, uh, Tales from the Galaxy's Edge Enhanced Edition's developer, ILM X-Lab, players will benefit from eye-tracking cameras following their line of sight and advanced foveated rendering techniques, which will also improve the visual quality of the experience. Mm -hmm. So, what do we think about that? I'm not going to get excited on too much of the VR stuff well, until we fair, know on. when it's going to... I find your lack of disturbing. <laughs> I'm not going to get too excited until <laughs> I can work out when I can actually get my hands on one of these new PSVR 2s. Um, we still don't have a release date or anything for that, do we? Uh, not as yet. Or a um, price tag, probably, more importantly. However, I think be the, uh... we have the release date for, for this game, which is 2023, so... Surely, if this game's slated for release next year, then the PSVR is going to be not too far off. You know, probably uh, tail end of this year, start of next year. But I would have thought it'd probably be a sure bet to to get it out by Christmas, um, if it was uh, my uh, call. But mm-hmm. uh, who knows? We'll watch the space. Mm. Um, that that game looked looked pretty cool. Um, mm. 
So uh, next was a tabletop RPG, uh, like Dungeons and Dragons style thing uh, called Demio. Uh, looked looked pretty cool. Like uh, they were showing some sort of multiplayer where you had different avatars and they were you know rolling the the multi sided dice and all that sort of thing. And yeah, I mean for for people who are into into those sorts of games, you know, that's probably going to be a be a good one. So. Uh, uh, followed up by uh, a game like a dragon, Ishin or Ishin, uh, a game previously only released in Japan, now having been entirely rebuilt in Un- Unreal Engine Four. Um, don't really know why you wouldn't have done it in Unreal Engine Five, but uh, anyway, um, it's set in 1860s Kyo, a fictionalized version of Kyoto. And Ishin's focus on the fall of the samurai during a turbulent part of Japan's history. Uh, <clears throat> it seems to have a bit of a cult following, so I'm sure a few people will be hanging out for that port. Uh, and uh, you know, there was a bit of disc- it was a bit of um, I guess information that people had been sort of so keen to get their hands on that in the past um, that they were actually you know learning how to speak Japanese and going onto the Japanese PlayStation store to buy it and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, and allegedly uh, the Like a Dragon stuff is is a, a rebranding of what was formerly Yakuza. So if you're a fan of the Yakuza games or the Yakuza franchise, then uh, this is likely to uh, scratch a, an itch for you. So uh, again, the Yakuza games I haven't had much experience with. I think if I may be mistaken, I think this might be a spin-off or somehow closely linked to that series. I'm not 100 percent sure. I think it's a standalone game, but it may be a spin-off of the series or a different character or something. I'm not too sure, but yeah, similar kind of world and vibe. Mm-hmm. I think there's uh, sort of parts yeah. in the game too where they sort of have to pause and give you context about what's happening and how it relates to Japanese culture and stuff like that. So mm. it's it's pretty pretty heavy on on uh, on that sort of thing so if you're a fan of japanese culture samurais all that sort of stuff um this is this is gonna gonna be real good for you so uh next up uh, after that we had uh, everyone's favorite we got to look mm. at the latest from avalanche on hogwarts legacy which showed off hogsmeade village and specifically a playstation exclusive quest known as the haunted hogsmeade shop which includes an additional dungeon, a shopkeeper's cosmetic set, and in-game Hogsmeade shop. So as if we weren't all super excited about this one as it is, now there's a little bit more to uh, whet the proverbial appetite. So, uh, yeah, what do you think about that, oh, uh, C-Mac? Oh, I'm just, I just gave it a quick watch then again. I can't wait. It just looks <laughs> everything about it just looks good. I just want to play it. I just I'm sick of waiting. When is it coming out next year? Isn't it? Yeah, just tells you so. right. Tenth of Feb. February tenth. Yeah, <laughs> on uh, on that one. Oh, I'll um, you one. Yeah, so, yeah, 10th of February definitely. Yeah, very real, excited. Real, real good one. That one's going to be. Oh, real high hopes for that. Absolutely. Uh, next, we had Pacific oh. Drive, a driving survival game with unique mechanics and horror elements. We see someone driving a wagon with the uh, sort of classic American wood panelling on the side and a bunch of equipment sort of strapped all over the car looking like it was straight off the Ghostbusters Echo 1. Uh, and uh, <laughs> this car's just basically hooning around, running over what appears to be ghosts and, uh, you know, uh, having, having a bit of fun. So uh, don't, don't know about that one. I, I won't 
to write it off, but um, yeah, not sure. Not sure what to make of that one. Um, next, there were a few uh, Japanese mm. RPGs shown, uh, Project Eve and Rise of the Ronin. Uh, both looked pretty cool. Uh, nothing against them, but uh, didn't really make my highlight reel for, for this one. So uh, to, to those games... Uh, and then uh, finally... <laughs> Uh, I don't think anyone would argue, but the icing on the cake uh, was a new God of War Ragnarok controller, followed by a new trailer for God of War Ragnarok with Kratos uh, smashing the shit out of enemies, mm. Atreus shooting arrows as he does. Uh, in among the footage, which looked really, really good, uh, there was footage of Freya, someone who I believe might be Tyr, the Norse God of War, uh, what looked like a return of those fucking hard-to-beat Valkyries that just, uh, you know, had had me almost uh, hurl my dual-sense controller <laughs> through the window. Um, there looked to be some of the Dark Elves from Alfheim, uh, and right at the very end, it all sort of climaxed in a big clash between Kratos and Thor with uh, Thor's uh, signature hammer going up against... Uh, Kratos's uh, axe. Mm. So um, the game looks epic, and it will be. So either buy it or sell your PlayStation to someone who deserves it. Um, <laughs> and that pretty much wraps up the uh, the state of play. So uh, there you bloody go. So uh, yeah, there's a roundup. Yeah, the, uh, God of War. Some of those what I, I'm assuming will be mm. boss battles looked incredible. Yeah. Looked, yeah. looked awesome. So. Um, oh. Yeah. Oh, and what about that line where where Kratos says, "Death can have me when it earns me." Mm. Yeah. Goosebumps I'll and just what. a little bit of an erection. That I'm is. <laughs> yeah. No, nah, absolutely, Simo. Uh, that was uh, that was the money. And that's where that it was, uh, It's a bad man right there. It's a bad man. And Very more. bad man. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, all right. Well. Yeah. Moving on, uh, I'm going to throw over to Ferg, who's got some news on the cost of gaming. How about this? We'll do a, um, you know, you started off with some good news around the state of play. I'll get the negative and then we'll finish off with a uh, positive spin from Simon and Casey <laughs> with some good news. Um, you know, the cost yeah, of gaming. That. It's on the move. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> unfortunately, it's not going down. So, bit of news. It all started, I think, about three weeks ago where Sony announced that they're going to increase the price of the PS5 um, and they put this down to put the price increase down to high global inflation rates as well as adverse currency trends impacting customers and creating pressure on many industries which is more or less code talk for basically saying um, you know Sony can't make and produce and ship PlayStations at the same cost um, whilst keeping their same profit margins at the same time so um, you know the consumers us get to foot the foot the difference on that so mm, um, brilliant <laughs> <laughs> so that's already started and you know I mean I got lucky I, I got my PS5 in July I think it was I got it from EB Games I bought a disc edition of the PS5 which came with Horizon Forbidden West and that was $845 without a trade-in um, if you go and buy the same deal which um, EB Games are still doing it's 859 for the disc edition so we've got a $50 increase on um, and PS5s and that's consistent across the across the board um, 
whether you're getting the digital or the disc version. So $50 extra for the PS5 going forward. Um, interestingly, off the back of this, Sony and Nintendo responded um, to the Sony price hike and stated while at the moment they have no plans to increase the price of their consoles, they'll obviously review that going forward. So, um, yeah, if you haven't bought a PS5, unfortunately, it's going to cost you an extra 50 bucks. And um, of more recent times in the last week um ubisoft have also come out and they've said that they're raising the price of their big triple a games going forward um following suit with many other publishers like your dices and your EAs, um guys well, like well hang on hang on Ferg. <laughs> hang on ubisoft will have to actually make a fucking triple a game in order for them to be able to raise the prices of them don't you think well, don't you think <laughs> emotional damn it come well, on mate i won't hear a bad word against ubisoft mate they, well there's uh, well, they had such yeah, classics yeah. as yeah. Far Cry and, you know. Yeah, they've got, they've got some good games. I, look, I think you're probably still in the minority here, Steely. I think uh, there's many, many a fan of the Ubisoft games, including myself. But basically what they're doing is they're upping their price tag of their AAA games going forward up to 70 bucks US dollars, which for us Aussies is 120 bucks. Wow. And for our... Um, you know, our Russian listeners, that's uh, 4,177 ruble. Well, fortunately for our Russian listeners, so, and, and just on that, as someone who's only just got a PS5 and has predominantly been playing PC games for the last, you know, three, four, five years, I couldn't believe how much console um, gamers are paying for games like 120 bucks this is this is crazy yeah you know new release games 120 bucks um i've only the only game i've seen on steam of recent times getting anywhere near close to that 120 dollars price tag is call of duty modern warfare 2 which i think is 110 bucks but and, and you know i get it you know it's a digital platform for um pc gamers there's no brick and mortar stores and you know there's things like transporting logistics moving physical copies around the world but Say for example, Hogwarts Legacy, hundred and I think it's one hundred and ten, hundred and twenty bucks on PlayStation Five. It's ninety bucks on PC, and that's consistent across all the games. So there's a thirty dollar increase, um, which you're talking about. It's quarter of the price, quarter of the price, seventy five percent of the mm. price. So, um, yeah. Anyway, I, I just couldn't believe that coming back. So, um, what the other thing I thought I'd add on the back of the Ubisoft announcement is, you know, JB. You guys know I'm I'm all about the people here at the Discerning Gamer. I love a good public service announcement. Whenever there's a good deal or a bargain, I love to just let the people know. So at the time of this recording, sitting here at the moment, the Ubisoft price hike hasn't come into effect across the board just yet. So at the beginning of the week, and I use this in reference to Skull and Bones, so if anyone out there is thinking maybe Skull and Bones might be a game that they want to get and they haven't pre-ordered it yet, at JB Hi-Fi, they've still got it for 80 bucks. So EB Games have bumped up the price. So I think it's up to 110 bucks for Skull and Bones. I'm pretty sure JB have got it at, sorry, they've got it at 89. So if you're thinking about getting this game, I'd be jumping on it right now before this price hike takes effect across all retailers. So there's my public service announcement. Might have saved someone $30 if they're um had been thinking about Skull and, Skull and Bones. Go and buy it now before the price uh, goes up. Yeah, before so, you're, you're sitting there thinking to yourself, this is so unfair. Mm. <laughs> so right. anyway, not some great news. The, <laughs> the, the cost is on the way up and yeah, not good. 
especially oh. for the Ubisoft fans going forward. But I think it's probably a sign of things to come. I think most developers and publishers will probably push their AAA games up to the similar dollar, similar $70 US dollar price tag. Mm. Well, uh, gives us uh, even more reason to wait for them to go into the bargain bin uh, in 12 months' time. Uh, absolutely. All right. Well, thanks, Ferg. Um what about uh, Simo and Casey? Um, I, I heard yes. a, I heard a little rumor that uh, there might have been a, a little presentation this week uh, that's uh, perhaps a bit more in your wheelhouse. <laughs> well, Take I it away. About the direct. <laughs> I only knew that the direct was happening because Simon told me. So yeah. he's, <laughs> he's right again. He's never wrong, Steely. <laughs> The money. <laughs> Even a broken clock is right that twice is, a day. That Joel. That's absolutely you, uh, right. You crack enough <laughs> eggs, you'll get an omelet. That's absolutely right. <laughs> right. Have, have you seen this? Have you heard about this? Did you want me to do that with you? No. Oh, I thought you were looking at me. No, you were just looking at me like, why are you talking now? And I was like, because I've got to say it. Um, have you seen it? Have you heard about it? The Nintendo Direct came out, everybody, and look, I was frothing at the lips. I woke up in the morning, I had a nice big long sleep after vomiting my guts up the night before and I was ready. Whoa. I was like, get in me. Yeah, and, and and anyway, and then I get up in the morning and I'm looking at my phone and I'm primed, you know. I've gotten the lube out of the drawer, oh, I'm ready. Guys, come on. Okay. <laughs> you want to play? Let's play. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, 40 minutes of... Uh, lots of, of skipping forward of yeah lots of farming simulators and i'm going to get to some of those in a moment but first here's one of the games that was announced um for everyone that's playing at home kirby's return to dreamland deluxe um so this <laughs> is a remake of a wii game um four player co-op fun get around it it's it's a kirby game what can i say um he sucks he blows is pretty much the perfect Kirby. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so that, that was Kirby. That's a remake. Yeah, Kirby got a, a remake there. Full Guys Season 2 is coming out as well. Uh, Disney Speedstorm um, was also shown off by Game Loft. It's just a Disney Mario Kart, whatever. Um, Lego Brick Tales got announced. I don't remember mm. seeing that. Probably skipped past it. Um, <laughs> Romance and Saga. <laughs> <laughs> Romancing Saga Minstrel Song Remastered oh, I can't uh, that. was announced. Uh, whatever that is. Yay. Uh, Life of Strange is obviously. You there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. Oh, oh <laughs> fucking hell. It's, uh, it's just. Uh, I thought I couldn't hear for a second. Anyway. Oh, okay. Life of Strange. <clears throat> We're listening with bated breath. Yeah, yeah. Go. Oh, I'm so sorry, everyone. Uh, Life is Strange Arcadia Bay Collection got announced as well. I mean, this might as well have been a, a fucking Square Enix Direct, let's be honest, because the, the Square Enix representation here is ridiculous. Uh, Tales of Symphonia Remastered. Um, if for anyone that likes Tales of Symphonia, it's great. Um, Endless Endless Dungeon launches next year on Nintendo Switch. Oh, it uh, sounds like the, that is the, sounds like a game I would never want to play. Endless Dungeon. Sounds like oh, a nightmare. Oh wow! Doesn't it? <laughs> um, Radiant Silver Gun. Uh, it's uh, yeah, whatever. Um, Seems like the, the, the Duchess a, of emotional damage is uh, firing yeah. today. 
Yeah, she's ready, primed and ready to go. Don't you? No, you worry. Uh, <laughs> Crisis Core Final well, Fantasy VII Reunion. Um, Sifu's coming to to Nintendo Switch. For all of you people that have seen Sifu, it's this uh, kind of um, cartoony styled fighting game, and you go through and you do very realistic looking martial arts moves, and it's it looks it's cool. Almost, but when um, I play it on Nintendo Switch, no, it's almost um, like uh, like this Nintendo Direct is like. A Sony state of play from two years ago. Mm. Yes. Emotional mm. damage. Yeah, I had some thoughts yes, as well. Ben. As I'll let Simon yeah. finish, but I'll pipe in on that one yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna let you finish, but, you, but... <laughs> these are some really valid points, though. Um, uh, Resident Evil Village was announced as all uh, all cloud versions, so you can't even play them in Australia or whatever. Listen to uh, this one. This one's called Rain Code. And the only description that's written here is investigate in the city of perpetual rain in Raincode coming spring. Wow. Well, fuck me. If I didn't get excited for Assassin's Creed, I'm not getting excited for Raincode. <laughs> Tells me just as bad as much as what the games are going to be. Uh, what have we got? Bayonetta 3. Everyone's looking forward to Bayonetta yeah. 3. Doesn't look too bad. I haven't played Bayonetta 1 and 2. Apparently, they're very good, though. So, um, I mean, that was a big, big title to be announced. Um, and... Kicking off the bloody the the kicking the dick off the farm simulators in the whole Nintendo Direct, we got to see everybody's favourite Square Enix masterpiece. Harvestella was shown. Everyone, Harvestella was shown. Well, wow. um, and and as you all know, uh, we we had some some exclusive audio from Harvestella uh, uh, from mm. from an earlier episode, which uh, went a little That's bit something right. like this. Wake up, mommy. I just pissed the bed. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see exactly how that uh, fits into like, the... Uh, the narrative of this. <laughs> yeah, but, you know. I'm still I'm still upset they didn't keep the original title, Harvestina. So, um, as, yeah, well. As, uh, <laughs> uh, I did suggest that to the developer and uh, no reply. Like what do they say? No, no. Uh, okay. Yeah, I uh, well, I thought it was going to be crickets, but that's all right. I would have you liked to have had the crickets uh, queued <laughs> oh, up. No, but, I didn't uh, think to do, just didn't plan that. That just okay. came to my head, and uh, yeah. there we go. There, there they go. are. <laughs> Sorry, they, they were just asleep. Continue. Um, Sorry. Tell us, C-Mac, what else was there? I don't think your phone's fucking up. Well, I don't think so. I think the only person fucking up here is you. Anyway, we've got well, the hang on. <laughs> Emotional <laughs> damage. Come what on. What did you say? So the only- anyway, I'll probably <laughs> listen to it later. Anyway, <laughs> I'll yell at you later. Um, we've got Just Dance 2023 edition. I'm assuming it's just like Just Dance 2022, 2021, 2020, 2019. It's another great Ubisoft title for anyone wanting to fist themselves in the middle. Oh my god, okay. And then we got then we got a really exciting announcement for Pikmin 4. Now this I'm very excited for Pikmin. I love Pikmin games. Do you mm. love Pikmin games? I loved Pikmin 3. I haven't played Pikmin 1 and 2, but Pikmin 3 is fantastic. So yeah, it was a very short little well. teaser trailer for Pikmin 4 coming out. Mm-hmm. Next On the money. Year. So that's very exciting. Um Golf is coming to Nintendo Switch Sports. Mm-hmm. Yay. Yeah. Cool. We need something to put it, it back it, in the Switch again. Sorry, everyone. Just touching on the Pikmin 4 announcement. This was a, an announcement that was basically, you know, uh, about 
two minutes of Shigeru Miyamoto talking about how fun Pikmin Bloom is, which it's not. It's just Pokemon which... Go, but less um, exciting. And then he announces that it'll, like there's the main event, there's a really tiny bit of just like, I'm guessing it's in-game footage, and then the title comes up, and then he goes, oh, we have nothing to show you, but you'll be able to play in this perspective. And it just shows a screenshot of of and, and the good thing is though is that it's a bit different to pikmin 3 um where you you know it's kind of more top top over the 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 board and you see a lot more it looks like it's going to be down um at the eye level of say like you know the, the explorer and the That's pikmin it, yeah. so it actually looks like um it'll be a bit of a change up for the series which is a little bit exciting yeah needs that i'm, I'm not going to go through every single thing because it's do it <laughs> Yeah, I want to hear it. Uh, oh gosh. Well, we've got we got told about the new Wave Three Mario Kart Deluxe. Um, there you go. Two tracks, everyone. Mary Mountain from Mario Kart Tour and uh, and Peach Gar- <laughs> Mario Kart DS. Mario Strikers Battle League. Yeah, you get a little bit of an update there. Diddy Kong and uh, Paulina coming to it for all you people that really can be fucked. Who the fuck is Paulina? Uh, you know, but Paul, Paulini, fucking Australian <laughs> Idol. Oh. Go, go dress Mark Holden. No, what? you don't. Paulina. Oh, you see Paul, this guy? Pauline. See this guy? Number one bullshit guy. He do the wee wee wee. <laughs> 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 you know, the one, the one from uh, Odyssey who owns the city. Oh, yes. Yeah. Paul, Paul, Pauline? Pauline? Oh, you're fucking Pauline. joking. Yeah, all right. I think I, I vaguely know who you're talking about now. Jeez, yeah, 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 fucking yeah, yeah, Nintendo yeah. are scraping the fucking B list. Or I think we're we're oh, even yeah. down to like the fucking F list of uh, mm. celebrities in terms of Nintendo now. Yeah, at this point they could put a fucking blade of grass as a DLC character. Uh, <laughs> oh dear I'm, okay now get this square enix overload here's three uh well here's two titles from square enix that are definitely procedurally generated by like by ai on a computer it's well first of all octopath traveler uh one when it came out it's now there's a number two everyone uh octopath traveler two uh, is coming out, but also another game from Square Enix, which looks almost identical with the exact same uh, uh, title look and everything. It's it's called Various Daylife. <laughs> <laughs> and I, t- well, I mean, get fucked. Various day. It's almost as good as Endless Dungeon. Like, various Daylife. No, various Daylife sounds just like I, I could just wake up and do that. You know, uh, <laughs> various day things. Whole bunch of Nintendo sixty four games coming to Switch Online as well, which is um, all very good and well. It's a lot of classics coming in there. Uh, you know, Mario Party one to three, ten eighty snowboarding, Excite by mm. sixty four. I remember thrashing that game with Rick when we were growing up, and um, and Dad as well because it was the one game you could tolerate. There were bikes in it. Same with Wave Race. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
but um you know uh looks like there's a lot of cool stuff coming golden eyes coming to switch online as well with online play so for anyone that wants a little bit of an old school um first person shooter kick that will certainly tickle their fancy but i mean uh, you know i'd, I'm I'd guessing... be i'd be really excited if it was 1997 Mm. Emotional. <laughs> I think GoldenEye is definitely well, one of those games which I don't think it's it's going to have the same. It's just not going to hold up like it did back in the day. I don't, you know, considering how far first person shooters have come, I think it'll be good for a nostalgia kick. But I don't see mm. myself playing that. If don't I was, see you signing up for a, no. a, an insanely overpriced online yeah. subscription just so you can. <laughs> Play no. against three strangers on Goldeneye no. that you've never no, met before. I'm not doing that. But interestingly <laughs> enough, it was also announced that Goldeneye is coming to Xbox Game Pass. And what was even mm. more interesting on that is that it doesn't have the online component to it, as far as we can tell at this point. So they announced it for both um, yeah, Xbox Game Pass, Nind- Nintendo. But the Nintendo, they were very specific about saying, and online play, whereas the Xbox version or Microsoft version, they just said, just play it so that's an interesting yeah. uh, it's exclusive to nintendo switch the online component of goldeneye which is interesting but yeah. i don't know i don't think it'll have the same lasting impression as what it did back in 1997 or whatever it was so yeah i'm probably no. going to keep clear of that one and just hold on to the uh the good old days and the nostalgia and the memories I think so. And, I mean, look, there was a couple of other things announced. There was some DLC for everybody's favourite game, Xenoblade Chronicles 3, um, (laughs) whatever. Uh, There was also, um, you know, a new Fire Emblem game announced, Fire Emblem Engage. Looks kind of cool, but, I mean, uh, I I do like Fire Emblem. It just is a a matter of me, um, you know, getting into the series a bit more, I think. Splatoon 3. Uh, Splatoon 3 got announced that it was going to be bloody fucking Splatfest coming out, which is um, all very good and well. You get to pick between three things that I can't remember what they are. What is it? Gear, grub, or fun? I don't know what the fuck that means. I'll pick whatever colour I like. What, it's what you would want, rather get stranded on a desert island with. Oh, right. Um, it's about research. Probably not fun uh, because <laughs> I want to get home again. Um, but... Yeah, that, that was announced. And then I know a game that Casey's really excited about, which is uh, where, where Happy's coming to Nintendo Switch. Uh, Tunic. Tunic got a uh, release date. Ooh. Read it out. Mm. September 27. Yeah, check it. It's coming soon, everyone. So froth your lips over that. It's going to be bloody good. Um, um, so, yeah, I, I'm pumped for Tunic. And then the the there was a boxing game, a fitness boxing game, whatever. Get this- out. Fist of the North Star. Yeah, exactly. Ooh. It sounds like something that I do in the middle of the night when I want to torture myself. Um, <laughs> fucking hell. Um, Emotional, damn it. Uh, Fist of the North Star is actually quite a quite a popular anime um, came out oh, like that? when when I was in primary school. So this is like mid nineties sort of thing, and um, they actually made a um, like a. Uh, a live action version of it as well um and basically the premise of it is is uh there's this one dude and he's got this powerful fist and when he punches people their head explodes um the the main villain has been uh, sort of punched previously and he's got some weird clamp thing that's holding his head intact um and uh yeah so uh uh, very 
bizarre concept, but that's uh, mm. that's what it is. So yeah, I'm surprised they made it into a game, to be honest. And then last but not least, everyone, the one thing that I got right um, when I well, I didn't actually predict any of it. The one thing that I I read that was real um, amongst all of the fake shit. Uh, and, and I think I recall saying last week as well, you know, if it if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. And it was with a lot of this stuff. Um, you know, I expect it every time a Nintendo Direct comes up, I expect amazing things and I get really excited just to be like excited about one or two things. Yeah, I, I, oh, I didn't notice. I froth of the nips for it. Um, you know, my, my <laughs> nipples squeeze out of froth every time. Oh, um <laughs> Hope none of our listeners are listening to this while they're eating their dinner or anything. Yeah, oh, I'm just no. glad that they don't know what I look like. Um, some of them, because uh, <clears throat> they would be very upset. Um, so, anyway, uh, the one thing that I got really excited about was um, just a, a little quick glimpse and tease over uh, the Legend of Zelda. Tears of the Kingdom. Some people are saying tears. Some people are saying tears. Oh, it's, what, what do you think it oh, is? It's definitely tears. I'm saying, I thought tears. Yeah, well, yeah, it's very sad. Um, so this is the long-awaited but... sequel to yes. The Breath of the Wild. Yes. Yeah, and I'm telling you that it was just this one bit um, after the the sort of the gentle bring into the trailer where Link then opens this pair of doors and runs out and jumps off the cliff. And oh, I tell you what, I just I got this tingling sensation of being extremely excited for this game because the 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 a lot of people were mentioning, oh, hey, you know, if this is going to be a number two Breath of the Wild, how are they going to make the world different? And it's like, have a little faith, you fuckers. I mean, seriously, like <laughs> they just brought you one of the best, um, most, and we're talking about innovation in our novelty segment this week, but one of the most innovative um, so fucking open about. world games uh, <laughs> in, in, of all time. And you're going to start there and complain that it might not be any different to number one it just looks phenomenal it looks like it's absolutely brimming with secrets and and care a lot of people are speculating as well that this is going to be a return to form with dungeons because uh there was a little bit of a tease in the opening trailer where we saw these seven tiers around this uh image that looked to be the things that we might be collecting in the game so um the way that we'll be collecting them through you named it dungeons uh well i said it a second ago but yeah. um, no, I, <laughs> uh, I think that it's it's obviously it's going to be a good game um but that that was just the pick of the show everything else i could give or take but we've got a release date for that the uh 12th of may next mm. year so there you go you mean <laughs> it's uh The 12th of May. <laughs> That's exactly what I meant. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. And when I watched the yeah. uh, trailer, when I was on the way to work in the morning, I was watching the video, and when it flashed up 5th of the 12th, 23, I had a heart attack. I was like, "You're this game's oh, going to come out in at December. In December. Oh. And then I had to catch myself yeah. and be like, no, no, no. This is uh, obviously a, a North American way that you show the date. And uh, yeah, the it's wrong more likely way. to be May. So yeah. that was good. I'm glad it's not yeah. December. Yeah, well, no. I think uh, I think I speak for everyone when I say 
I'm gonna come. Did you watch the direct, JB? I mean, I've got some thoughts. Did you have some thoughts? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I did. And, and look, um, to be honest, like I was a little bit sort of disappointed with what they showed of Zelda because I think um, about 50% of the bloody uh, footage from Zelda was just them sort of scrolling past a wall covered in like you yeah, know, hieroglyphics right. or whatever and it's like yeah come on all right we get it zelda let's show us what you got you know show us show us some of the goods and and i think yeah like while it was cool to see like the the jumping and him like jumping onto some sort of glider and and not like like his glider from the the first one but there was like a it was almost looked like a, a machine flying in the sky and he mm. sort of jumped onto mm. the back of it and stuff like those things were cool but it just i don't know it just felt like there wasn't a lot of uh, meat on that bone. Um, no. And, you know, I mean, some of the other things that they had to show uh, for the Nintendo Direct looked all right, but it was it was really heavy on, like, your Japan RPG-style things, you know, mm. and it sort of ranged from everything that was sort of like, oh, here's one that's like old-school Super Nintendo sort of style graphics, and then here's one that's like real... Flash, you know, current style graphics and all that sort of stuff. So mm. um, there was a lot of that stuff. And then, like, it seemed like a lot of the highlights were were just, like, games that have been out on other consoles for years already. And it's like, mm. I don't mm. know. Like, if the Nintendo Switch was the only console I had, I, I might be getting excited about potentially getting some of those things. But, I mean, Simo, do you actually know, can you access the cloud gaming part of nintendo switch online here in australia or is that a, a north nah, america only nah. yeah okay. that's a, a an america and i think even in japan there is a bit of cloud gaming available but um not in australia and i mean the the thing is is like uh, that's not the way that i unless like you said if it was the only console i had that would be the way that i'd i'd do it i'd be excited for cloud gaming i mean if i could again if i could access it access it in australia but um you can't and it's just it kind of seems uh, like like you were saying jb it seems like all of the things that were announced um in this direct just felt like that either they were a bit same samey or they were from you know consoles that had released them years before you know <laughs> it just feels kind of like that these sort of announcements are not exciting to people that um play on multiple consoles you know i mean I, I did not get excited for a lot of that stuff because i've seen it all before and usually in nintendo direct is something that i get extremely excited for because i think i'm going to see something new from nintendo mm. and so yeah. um yeah it's, it's it is disappointing um and but, I, yeah. i'd it, say it kind of i mean i don't know exactly what the stats are but i'd say that a lot of people out there that have a nintendo switch probably also have another console whether it's an xbox a playstation mm. or a pc like you wouldn't typically just have that one unless you know yeah uh, i remember like, we talked i think i bought this up very early on um when we started the show and it was actually lower than what i was expecting and what we might think I, I remember coming across a stat i think it might have been north america only and it was something like 40 percent. only 40 percent of switch owners have another console which i find um yeah, I thought it would have been much higher than that, but again, but it, you got to mm. you got to remember that you know some people can only afford to have one console, which is fair enough. There's a lot of people, so. But yeah, I mean, it could also be like um, 
I don't think anyone would argue that the Switch is probably more geared towards younger people. Probably, mm-hmm. you know, it's probably got more children that, yeah. that would, that, you know, use it than PlayStation and Xbox would. And yeah. um, so for a lot of those kids, it might just be a fact of, well, that's that's the console that mum and dad, dad have, you know, got them for Christmas or whatever. And, <clears> and that's, that's it. They're, they're not earning their own money, so they're not able to go out and buy a second console or whatever. But mm. um, and it's also a lot more affordable than yeah, you know, the PlayStation and Xbox, yeah, you know, absolutely. which are in Australia up around the eight hundred dollar mark uh, mm. compared to the Switch at about four ninety nine, I think, or yeah. maybe even mm. like three ninety nine for the for the Switch Lite. Is it? Yeah, yep. OLED or whatever it is. The, mm. yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I don't know, but for for the rest of us, I just thought, uh, you know. Mm. I mean, um, yeah, I, I had very similar opinions to you, Joel, and, and to you as well, Simon. Like, you know, I've got a Switch. I love my Switch. Um, I think it's a great console. I'm not bashing it. But every time I see one of these Nintendo Direct sort of presentations, I always come away thinking that the Nintendo Switch is on its last legs because you just mm. look at what's coming out and, you know, we read it off, you know, life is strange. It takes two. I mean... Tuning's only just come out. There's Factorio was another one, and there's a whole stack of remakes of old games. And then of the footage that we saw of their new games, like Breath of the Wild, to me that didn't look that much more impressive than the original. And so mm. I'm just worried if I think they're getting towards the end of the Switch's capabilities. And um, well, I, 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 I am so I'm still with Simon. I think before the new um, Zelda game comes out, I think they're going to announce some kind of Pro version or the new Switch, maybe something with a bit more grunt because I feel like it's getting mm. towards the end of its lifespan. And we've talked previously, I think it was Star Wars, um, the Skywalker saga. Even that game ran fantastically, but at different points in time, I just felt like it was like the Switch was really working hard. Some of the really big menus and stuff were very laggy and slow and unresponsive and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, I watch it and there were some good things. I'm excited for the new Zelda game, but you always leave and you just think they're just putting out games that have been out for years and they're not showing me anything from a graphical point of view or a hardware point of view that's getting me really excited about the future for Nintendo. But mm. I would sort um, of say, like, I think from my perspective, in the same way that Majora's Mask was to Ocarina of Time, it, it wasn't breaking new ground graphically, mm-hmm. but gameplay was where it was all at. You know, there was... There was a real change up in the style of gameplay. The game played very differently to Ocarina of Time. And, you know, it was fun for a different reason, you know. And I sort of hope that uh, that the new Zelda is, is sort of... You can tell it's not going to be graphically very different to Breath of the Wild, but hopefully what Nintendo do with the gameplay and, and that style of thing. Like, I would love for them to to bring back some of the the traditional Zelda-style dungeons where, you know, you had the... You know, you go and find the, the boss key, the map, the compass, and, and, you know, each dungeon that you go to unlocks some new weapon that then enables you to, you know, traverse new areas in the, the world and, and stuff like that. I, I like those elements about Zelda and... Mm. It, that was the one thing I didn't like about Breath of the Wild, the fact that that had all been removed. And, uh, you know, I think if they can draw on all the strengths of Breath of the Wild but also bring back some of those classic elements that people mm. like myself would 
really love to see. Um, I reckon that this one could be even better than the mm. than Breath of the Wild. So uh, that's kind of where I hope it goes to. But uh, I don't yeah, know if I'm yeah. in the minority or you know. no. I think it's a good no. no I think good points. yeah, very val- very valid point, and I reckon um, that you'll be very uh, quite happily happily surprised when it comes out. I have a feeling that that's the direction it's going in. It's kind of like they've gone and put this playground out there and number one, done this big experimentation and now they're going, okay, well, how can we filter in those other elements to mm-hmm. to bring it back to what it was but also play within that domain of um, this this new world that we've created and these new mechanics that we've created as well. Mm-hmm. Well, excellent. Well, I think that pretty much brings us to our... Novelty segment for this week. And this week, the DG crew are discussing the best innovations in gaming uh, over the years. So uh, we've all uh, dug into the archives and pulled out... uh, some some information about what we think uh, are some of the best innovations in gaming, and uh, to start off, we're gonna we're gonna throw it back to you, Simdog, and uh, let you uh, kick off the proceedings this week. Oh, I tell you, when I was a kid, I my very first two gaming memories were Super Mario Land and Sonic the Hedgehog One, and I always remember when I was a kid and playing those games that um, unless you could get right to the end, you would not see the end unless you did it all in one playthrough. And there were so many times that we would, you know, as, as a family, as siblings sit around with, with Sonic two and play Sonic two as much as we possibly could at the end of the night, when we had to go to bed, we would turn off the TV, leave the mega drive on um, (laughs) and then go to bed wake up in the morning and resume hoping that the Mega Drive hadn't overheated or exploded um, and continue playing the game from then. It's a bit like like eating pizza. You know, you don't quite get through it the evening. You just wake up in the morning and you just start pick back off where you started breakfast pizza breakfast yeah (laughs) yeah exactly i think we did that a couple of times ferg in uh our time our our lives together um straight up off the bench um but anyway my this you know major memory that i have of, of gaming brought me to one of the biggest and i think the most i think we take this innovation for granted so much because it's so well implemented into a lot of games these days but it's just having the ability to save mm. oh saving how good is that <laughs> <laughs> oh bloody brilliant <laughs> So good. I, and I mean, you know, saving obviously started off being this kind of thing where you'd you'd just have a save file. You would have to get a certain checkpoints in order to save and things like that in, in games. And um, if you didn't get to those checkpoints and uh, you kept dying, you'd go back to the last one and it would be kind of frustrating and, and hard and archaic. But as time's gone by, we have so many different forms of saving now, like uh, just the most perfect form being auto saves the the ability to play your game just 
stop what you're doing. You know that it's saved because you saw that little icon pop up when you went and 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 touched someone over on the side of the field. And then, you know, all of a sudden, that when, when you turn it off and you come back again. What games did you play? I don't know. Uh, touch me in a field simulator. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> But you know what I mean? Like auto saving absolutely changed the game. And I think that um, it's it's incredible. It's, a, it's such an amazing innovation and just allows us to experience so much more. And I think that in a lot of ways, being able to save your game opened up avenues for games to get bigger and bigger and for our experiences to get more and more exciting and in depth. And I think that uh, we have a lot to thank for the first person that thought, well, I don't want to fucking do this all in one go. <laughs> yeah. Why well, can't I stop it and come back? Yeah. So fucking you are fucking, fucking fucking you bloody you bloody you bloody boss. <laughs> oh shit. But All right, yeah, cool. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah gather that's uh, that's the end of the the story for you, Simo. Well, what more do you want me to tell you, Joel? Do you want to? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Do you want the history? Fucking, fucking you, bloody, bloody, you bloody. Yeah. All right. Okay. And even it extends to. to uh, there's plenty of uh, live service games where you don't actually need to save. You just log off and pick back up where you where you left. It's fantastic. I don't even need to think about it. Yeah. Like Fallout. Fallout seventy six. That's it. <laughs> All right, what do well, you got for us, Ferg? What do you, what do you got? What have I got? I say one. <laughs> yeah, I heard, I heard that, Simon. That's uh, that's good. <laughs> so uh, my innovation is one that's uh, it crops up in all kinds of games, and I'm talking and want to highlight day-night cycles in video games. Oh yes, so good. And you know when I to- when I'm talking about day-night cycle, there's really two kinds. And two types. So you get the you know the day night cycle, which follows you know real time in the world. So if it's you know night time where you are within the game, it'll be night time. But also the games that have you know a day night cycle, which is local to the game, and you know the twenty four hour cycle is on a different kind of loop. It might be one hour or you know something like that. Or there's ways to manipulate it. So um, I'm going to rattle off some of the games that do this fantastically well. But you know my first earliest. Um, recollection of coming across the day-night cycle was when all the way back in 1999 playing my Game Boy and Mm. I played Pokemon Gold and Silver for the first time. Um, Yes. And just that that was a game that had the day-night cycle which followed real time. And just this idea that if I played at night, I might encounter different Pokemon than if I was playing it during the day just absolutely blew my mind and you know when you're out there trying to fill up your pokedex and catch them all you actually had to play the game at different times in the day in order to do this and i just thought you know at that point in time i was just like this is unbelievable um another game that we've talked about you know numerous times that does it really well is animal crossing new horizons um you know obviously you come across different fish and and bugs and stuff like that and what it does it adds another management element to the game and the experience because you then have to plan around shops being opening open and how you do different things and um you know what else was great about that game is in addition to the day night cycle they also had seasonal 
events. So, you know, festivals, you know, if you played the game on your birthday, all the residents of your island would, you know, let you know and happy birthday and they'd, uh, you know, celebrate and you'd have a cake and stuff like that. So that's really cool. Um, I know it kind of frustrates a lot of people, um, but they're probably not the people that are going to play these games because, you know, not everyone's got the, the ability to play a video game at 24 hours a day or at specific times, but... Why not? Why not? Yeah. Maybe they work night shift, JB. How are you going to catch uh, night Pokemon if you're at work? Wow. Um, yeah, good point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then as far as games that have day-night cycles sort of um, within the game, separate from real-world time, that do a fantastic job. I mean, rattling off a few here. So games like Dying Light, Minecraft, Terraria... You know, these are games that during the day, the threat level from anything in the world that's trying to kill you is basically non-existent. But as soon as that sun goes down, the game it's nearly a completely different game. There's different threats. Um, dying light especially, you know, you come across zombies during the day which are, you know, slow and dumb and not really that threatening. Come nighttime, they're a completely different... Um, it's a completely different element to the game, which is unbelievable. Uh, a couple others, you know, Witcher 3 is is another great example of really utilizing the night especially um cycle of the game you know there's some monsters you had to hunt in the night time only and it just really they just really did a really good job of creating an atmosphere and you know some suspense and this fear level that you don't get if you were doing it during the daytime um a couple others i mean gta 5 fantastic to play that game and you know the sun's coming down and just the city all lit up um elden rings a game that i've been playing of late which again is amazing like at night time visibility plays a huge role in the game so at night time you basically the chance of you getting spotted is reduced so there's a real advantage to what you're doing based on what time it is in the day you know sims again great seasonal and day night cycles Every, just about every open world racing game has got fantastic different time of day sort of elements to it. Um, yeah, that's just a few. I suppose it's easier to sneak in a cheeky route at night in The Sims as well uh, <laughs> than uh, during the day. When that's you've got, it, when, uh, there's a, when the repairman's over fixing the oven. Yeah, yeah. going, hush, oh, well. <laughs> You're just in the other why, room. Why? Uh, I don't think it's. I don't think finger it's finger bashing the neighbour from next door. Uh, it's wahooing, JB. Not oh, not finger bashing or uh, pulling a root in the oh, Sims. Okay. Yeah, Sorry. It's um, woo-hooing. And you don't see anything. It's all under the carpet. Throw it open to the DJ crew. Do we have any uh, good examples of day-night cycle games that we like? Well, just just before we move on from from the Sims, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I downloaded a patch one time that removed like the, the oh, yeah, sort the, of yeah. pixelation when they go to the toilet and in the shower. <laughs> Oh, um, they got no genitals. Of course you oh. do. That's one way to get around that as the developer. Yeah, it's like it? a Barbie doll. Um, mm. Yeah. Well, there you so go. There's no point removing don't, it. Don't really know what I was expecting, <laughs> but uh, well, genitals, I suppose. So, uh, <laughs> the Cyberpunk 2077 genitals are unmatched, JB. Yeah, sure. Um, no, a day-night cycle game, one that was like really important uh, is a game called Don't Starve. Uh, I don't know if you've played it, but it was on Switch mm. and PlayStation. And yeah. um, The whole idea is during the day, you're cruising around collecting resources and building shit, and then at night, um, you got to make sure you're near a fire where mm. there's light because um, the darkness just has every manner of beast and creature that want to kill you and... yeah. So in that oh. game, it's like really critical uh, mm. that you get all your shit done during the day, and yeah. you're ready at night to 
sort of defend yourself against uh, what's uh, looming in the darkness. So yeah. Very similar to Minecraft and Terraria in that sense. Like, light is your friend. Stick to the well-lit areas, otherwise you're going to come across things which you probably don't want to come across. Absolutely. And, uh, and yeah. what about um, bloody looking back at uh, Zelda Ocarina of mm. Time as well? You know, when you kind of experiencing that world for the first time as well and this will transition well into what Casey ends up talking about um I, to you know in a bit of a weird way but um that world felt so alive and when you'd you know wake up in the morning or you'd go out and you'd find that it's all you know it's all daytime and you're running around and you'd see the sun setting and then all of a sudden all the the dead shit pops up out mm. of the ground it's coming out here and it's starting to it's, you know, chomp on its lips because it's going to come and eat you and all that kind of shit. Mm. And, you know, you go, but then you go into Hyrule Castle markets and things like that at night time and it's completely different. It, I remember the atmosphere as you'd walk through it and it kind of, being a kid and playing that as well, always kind of felt like you shouldn't have been out, but you were. Mm. And it was, it was really kind of sneaking fun. And I loved that element of it. Yeah. And um, the other one worth mentioning as well is Majora's Mask as far as the storytelling. And how that's mm. based around the the day night cycle and and time in general was, I mean that game's mm. incredibly clever as far as yeah building narrative. I think you and one of the episodes you talked about it, Simon, with the there was that mission where you're trying to save someone and then the time's going backwards and all this sort of stuff. And yeah, yeah. it's a good mix of manipulating time, manipulating days, time of the day into the storytelling, mm. which is um, fantastic. Well, day night cycle. Sure. Uh, well done. Well done. Uh, all right, so segueing into CMAC, uh, CMAC's uh, innovation, what, what do you got for us? Yeah, um, I was going to talk about open world gaming. I think this is one of the most amazing innovations in gaming there is. I sort of did a little bit of an internet search about open world gaming and, of course, there was some, they talk about games dating back to 19... 19- 70 um wow. that open world concept and i was looking at one that they sort of say was the first one in japan called hi 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 oh my gosh how do you hi 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 lied that sounds made up which is like a dragon slayer game <laughs> and it was it's also it's considered to be one of the first early open world games which really influenced the legend of zelda which is considered one of the earliest home mm. console because most of these open world games were on computers so the first sort of home console open world game that people are saying is the legend of zelda back in eight, uh, 1986 on the nes wow um great game yeah, mm. yeah. People are saying it's probably one of the most influential first large scale open world games there is, and in turn has actually laid down foundations for most of the open world games to date. People mm. have been saying, you know, it's a sandbox game which lets players find their own path, like being able to complete dungeons in any order. But I've read, I've read on a website someone saying that it actually might have um, been a bit too open this game. Nintendo found out because players were missing out on getting important items and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that's when they kind of went back to the more linear um Zelda game play. Like side scroll. Yeah. And then we only saw, you know, in recent times then go back to the open world concept with Breath of the Wild. And of course that just blew everything out of mm-hmm. <laughs> not only do they go back to the open world 
concept, but they've they've innovated in a way that's so new and has now pushed open world games open even more. And mm. your favorite person from Assassin's Creed Unity, Benjamin Pilch, who was a um, lead designer. So, you're, <laughs> so you don't care about his opinion, <laughs> but oh, um, anyway. Emotional damage. <laughs> uh, he just wrote um, that Breath of the Wild showed something most designers already know, but which is hard to achieve. Evolving from the classic open world games to an open world model, open progression following each player's intrinsic, intrinsic motivations, adaptive challenge curve and economy, open narrative structures and so on. And um, a senior designer for The Witcher 3 also said a lot of their world is based off of The Legend of Zelda from... They, they are heavily influenced because of mm. Zelda. And he says, Breath of the Wild has managed to bring classic open world mechanics together while not relying on them to guide the player through its world. You go and explore it because you wonder what's out there, not because a loot icon tells you. Mm. And it's, mm. yeah... As we were talking, it's very Zelda heavy this episode, but it really has that that game has opened my eyes a lot to open world games. You know, you've got your Grand Theft Auto and all of that, but um, I think Breath of the Wild is the way that games are sort of trying to to edge towards because it was so innovative the way it. You know, you want to mm. go and explore that random rock, and you know, not just because you think there's loot there, but it, it, it's so yeah. Mm. I, I don't even know how to explain it, but yeah. There's something drawing you in that game mm. to each thing that you to do. Everything, you know, everything you do in that game, and it's so beautiful. And I think a lot of developers can learn from it to bring that into their into their own games. But yeah, open world gaming, I think it's mm. very incredible. Like when, you know, God of War. Um oh Christ, what, what what's the what's the name of the God of War game? God of is War. Is it just God of War? Is yeah. it? <laughs> the reboot. I can't oh. remember it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> 2018 yeah but you know is you said it's just one long one there's no one black, black screen it's all one take and i think when you told me that i was like oh i didn't even realize when we were playing it and I was like, this is incredible how is this done this is amazing it's so yeah, yeah. but there you go that's mine well unless, okay. unless you fast travel then you get a loading screen but... oh well shit the bed jb we're talking about <laughs> people that just bloody play the game all right <laughs> Yeah, Just walk it's, from here to there. It's oh, well. shit the bed. <laughs> it's. <laughs> Open world games. It's really, it's really interesting <laughs> with the uh, with open world games in particular. It feels like we've sort of reached to a point where there's so many games that are now have a massive open world component. And for a long time, it yeah. was more out. We'll make it bigger and bigger and better. And now we're getting to the point where people are now starting to sort of review that again because we've had games like a lot of the Assassin's Creed games, which are just huge and just sort of don't have any personality. And I think I liken it nearly just to mobile phones. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, when mobile phones first came out, they were tiny. And then it seemed like every year for about 20 years, they were progressively getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. And now we're at a point now where we've sort of got the right size and now the thought is now going back internally like how do you make it better internally and i think open world games mm. are similar in the fact that like there's no point just having a big world for the sake of having a big world if it doesn't have substance and like we said breath That's of the right. wild did an amazing job um of a big open world with freedom but actually you know 
you want to be in the world. You want to explore. You want what's over there. This kind of thing, as opposed to just running from A to B. Um, you know, we've, you're we've so t- right with the Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Like when I was playing Valhalla, I was just running through fields and fields, mm. and there's nothing here <laughs> and nothing mm. to collect. It was just like yeah, for the sake of being just a just an open game. Yeah, and yeah. like once upon a time, maybe you know we've had you know we've looked at the Sonic trailers and we're sort of concerned that it's just a big open empty world and. No one wants that anymore. It's sort of, if you're going to have a big open world, it has to be interesting in a world you want to be in. So, yeah, yeah as right. opposed to the world of Sonic Frontiers, which no one wants to be in. <laughs> emotional damage. How are you going tonight, JB? I think you're nearly beating Simo with the most emotional damages here. This is, uh, it's, I, I thought he had a, an appetite for destruction, Simo, that wouldn't be matched, but you're on, you've had a few little swings at a few things tonight. Yeah, well done. Oh, love you it. Know, I've been, uh, I'm trying to tailor it back because up. I know that if I keep on shitting on you, Ubisoft too much that we're going to get mail and yeah. I don't want mail. We'll get our first mail. I don't want mail. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get a cease and desist letter yeah. from, from Ubisoft. Uh, well, thanks, yeah. uh, c for your insight into open world gaming. It's, it is an amazing mm-hmm. um, innovation in games and, uh, you know, it has led to some, some really, really cool titles. So... Um, the innovation that I want to talk about in gaming um, came out in 1997. So mm. I'm, I'm going to take us take us back in time. And the innovation that I'm going to talk about was the original Rumble Pack. Ooh. Oh, yes. Wow. So designed for the Nintendo 64 controller, it was released in April 1997 in Japan, yes. July 1997 in North America, and October 1997 in Europe. So, can't really remember where Australia sat in that release schedule, but anyway. It required two AAA batteries and was inserted into the controller's memory cartridge slot, which uh, unfortunately prevented the simultaneous use of the controller pack to <laughs> save your game uh, progress. So, uh, not oh without its uh, not without its drawbacks. It but, also it also made your controller five times as heavy. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, although um, some games support saving to a controller pack in a second controller. Uh, Nintendo remedied the situation in later games by offering developers the inclusion of special screens for hot swapping. So uh, the rumble pack was estimated to provide 50 to 60 hours of continuous rumbling uh, before it required battery replacement. So it was originally named Jolting Pack in uh, Japan. Uh, (laughs) It was announced uh, as what IGN called the biggest surprise of the 1996 Shoshinkai show. So uh, the Rumble Pack was introduced bundled with the game Star Fox 64, known as Lilac Wars in the PAL regions, and was made available as a separate purchase two months later. And Rumble Pack support soon became a standard for N64 games. Wave Race 64 and Super Mario 64 were re-released in Japan in 1997 with Rumble Pack support. So... um, what what uh, you have to remember is um, uh, Nintendo 64's Rumble Pack uh, and its influence led to Rumble being an industry standard within a single generation. Um, mm-hmm. It was uh, it was bulky and heavy when you attached it to the Nintendo 64 controller. 
but uh, most people would agree that that trade-off was worth it uh, at the time. Mm. And uh, it's uh, listed as one of the top 10 controller innovations uh, of all time. So the Rumble Pack is listed as Mm. number eight, saying that it added a whole new level of immersion to the fifth generation of video games. And obviously, uh, you know, that's now just... Yeah. Something that we all expect is in our mm. controllers. You know, we yeah. want that haptic feedback. Yeah. It's it's obviously evolved from uh, the uh, the era of the Rumble Pack, but you cannot um, take anything away from Nintendo in that they were leading the charge of innovation. Mm. And and really, I mean, Nintendo lead the charge of innovation a lot of the time, especially when you look at the Nintendo Wii adding motion control yeah. capabilities to controllers. Now everyone does that. Everyone has accelerometers in the controllers and give you the you know, ability mm-hmm. to sort of move your controller around as if it's a tennis racket or you know a golf club or you know, something in the real world. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, when you look at innovation in gaming, Nintendo uh, have and have been and and in many ways still are mm. right up there in terms of uh, introducing new ways to game. Yeah, I mean, I'd argue that the Nintendo Switch in itself has changed the landscape in in gaming as well. The ability to play on your TV or take that same console anywhere that you go. I mean, in the last, what, 12, 18 months, we've had the Steam Deck, A and Neo. Everyone's now trying to make a a handheld console to rival what the Nintendo Switch did. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, all right, so the Nintendo 64 had... uh, had the rumble pack and then everything that came after it had rumble abilities built into the controllers. Nintendo Wii came out with the, the motion controls, then Sony and Xbox all built mm-hmm. them into their controllers. And it just goes to show that Nintendo over the years, um, yeah, really, they're, they're the bloody king or queen of innovation. So uh, to you, Nintendo, it's a uh, big old bloody applause from us here at the DG Crew. <laughs> Clap it up. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be clapping if I didn't have my hands under a rug. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm keeping them warm. Keeping them warm, everyone. And on that note, well, that brings us to the end of another episode of the Discerning Gamer podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, I'd like to thank uh, the DG crew, Fergus Fergamon Hamilton. Thanks, thanks very much. Thanks, JB. Always a pleasure, mate. Absolutely. And Simon Steely McLaughlin, thank you. Thank you so much, JB. Remember to always prime before you fist. <laughs> I'm gonna come. <laughs> Brilliant. And last but not least, uh Casey. Casey C Mac McLaughlin. Thanks, Casey. Thanks. Uh, as always, everyone. Thank you. What, no, no reference to fisting uh, on the uh, end of your sign-off. I, I have I, no, no thoughts on that. No, okay. I always, I always no. feel sorry for Casey that has to follow up Simon's. We, we all just know, wait with bated breath great. to see what he says, and then you got to pull yourself together and say something. Great, it's uh, yeah. great. I love it. <laughs> and cool. if you'd like to get in touch with us here at the Descending Gamer about fisting or anything else in particular, uh, oh, feel free to yeah. send us a. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free to send us a message on the socials or send us an email and we'll see you next week.
Yeah. Just reach out and touch it, guys. <laughs> reach out. <laughs> Fingertips. Oh, see ya.